0: Hello, and welcome to the Imbue podcast. My name is Alex, and today I'm joined by Bruce Cardenas. Bruce is the chief communications officer for Quest Nutrition. He joined the company back in 2010 when it was just a small startup and saw it all the way to its billion-dollar exit last year. We talk about Bruce's journey from working in the Marines to going and working in LAPD during the Rodney King trials. And we even chat about his starting his own security firm. That allowed him to end up on the cover of People magazine. Bruce is one of the most connected guys on the planet. He's also the brand guru. He invented fun, modern branding as we know it. And I've learned a lot from him. I know you guys will too. Huh? Were, I didn't realize they were a gun company.
1: Well, he worked for them. He has some podcasts out but Falcor weapons are based out of Whitefish, Montana. They built a man, beautiful rifle for me. It's like a $6,000 gun.
0: Shit. <coughs> Crazy, so. crazy, crazy, cool man. Well, we're live now, so I just want to keep this like super casual, like if you know, if we were, we just got done with a workout like we did up at up at the house, and just.
1: Who we live with?
0: Who we live with? So it's actually on the application, so oh, on the, on, the, on the app it's it's live streaming through there, and also on um what well, I don't know if you know Twitch. It's mainly for like for gaming, um but it's also on yeah, our I YouTube. Know. It's on our YouTube channel, which we don't have a ton of ton of subscribers on there, but uh, so.
1: Can you send me the link or can you send it to me when we're
0: done? Yeah, of course. I'll send you I'll send you yeah. the I'll send you the raw content, I'll send you the video and uh, and uh, and all the all the social stuff. So easier for, right, cool. you can use it for your social media. So, um, to get started, I mean I was trying to try to look online to see some of about your background and like where you grew up because I think that influences like who you are today. So I'd be curious to be willing to share like how you how you grew up and, and how that influenced, you know, getting into Marines and everything you've done in your life. If you've ever. Reported sure, that on that sure. before.
1: Yeah. I grew up in a, in a small town called Highbridge, New Jersey, a very rural hometown, USA. I think the population was 3000 people. It was a steel mill town. Uh, I think it, the town was created in like 1740, <clears throat> um, very middle class. My dad was an electrical contractor and started his own business. Uh, five kids, I always wanted to be a cop, and um, what got me out of New Jersey, funny enough, I was kind of, I got out of high school, and I asked the local police chief if they were hiring me. They knew me. I mean, I was a local kid, athlete, <clears throat> and he said, listen, if you go in the Marine Corps, I'll hire you when you get out. He was, you know, he was very polite to me. He was like, hey, you're young, you're immature. So I was like, great. So I went in the Marine Corps, and then I realized there's a big world out there, bigger than New Jersey. You know, when you grow up someplace, you think that's the—that's the that's the center of the universe
0: totally i mean i grew up in a small town in minnesota like two two thousand people and uh yeah so I, I totally feel there what sports did you play in high school i'm curious
1: um a big wrestler my little brother we were all wrestlers and i did track the weighted track you know javelin shot foot okay discus nice. um and some football but actually i was more into the uh wrestling and uh and the weighted you know track
0: and how, how did you do with it i'm curious were you did you make it to state ever or you know
1: no, I mean, yeah, I went to the States I and mean, I did pretty good. I you know, varsity You know, I wasn't I wasn't some rock star, but I did pretty good. And then I got into powerlifting my <clears throat> my senior year, I liked weightlifting, so I started doing powerlifting and then I continued that when I was in the Marine Corps I, I was on the Marine Corps powerlifting team.
0: Dang. Yeah. So uh so what I guess what was that like being in the Marines? Like i i I mean you hear stuff about it, but I, I haven't really heard from the inside scoop. Like what what was the training like when you first got there? Was it what you were expecting? And
1: um, well, it's nothing, I mean, you can't, there's no way you can, when you're a young guy to even envision what it's like. Very eye-opening, you grow up overnight, I mean, boot camp, I went to Paris Island, which is down in the Carolinas, and, you know, scary as a kid, but, you know, you grew up 12 weeks of training. I think I lost, in training, I probably lost 30 pounds in 12 weeks.
0: Oh, my Lord.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I was a little, a little fat, I didn't realize I came out <laughs> all jacked, and my parents didn't recognize me when they came to graduation. And then uh, <clears throat> I got to see the world. I, I did some security for some of the generals in the Marine Corps, and traveled the world, and saw a lot of countries. And realized I still wanted to be a cop, but I wasn't going to go back to New Jersey, obviously. So I ended up in California.
0: What What were some of the places you traveled when you were a Marine? And did that influence uh, like you? And how did that influence your view on the world? Because I'm sure, like seeing all those places for the first time, must have been pretty eye opening, right? Different people, different cultures, different food. Oh,
1: for different cultures, yeah. I mean, we went to Beirut when the embassy was bombed. Damn. That was years ago. Um, Okinawa, mainland Japan, and Korea, um, Germany. Been to a lot of places. It was very. It, it was really amazing to see how the rest of the world works, especially when you live in a small town. I grew up in a small town, never left really the states.
0: What was your favorite favorite place?
1: I don't know if there's a favorite. I mean, I, I actually I, I didn't go to the. I went to Australia at request, but I, I, that's a great place. Australia.
0: Yeah you like the girls there or what? <laughs> oh, like, yeah,
1: like, everyone's beautiful. Yeah, that is
0: very true. That is very true. Everyone's beautiful there. They got the beautiful... But it's gym. just a
1: great, nice people. Like, the culture's you know, great vibe. But yeah, I enjoyed Australia.
0: Sweet. Nice. Yeah, I've, I've never been. That's a place I've always wanted to go. Mainly for like just to surf and hang out. But Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And so, what were, so going back to Marines, what were some of the most defining character-building moments? Because it's like... It's not, it's not. an easy thing to do for, to graduate as a marine, right? Like they put you through some of the most rigorous training. So that- um,
1: I think there's a lot of it. it's just very disciplined. It's very, you're very regimented. Um, I don't know, man. Defining moments. I was always a good shooter. I didn't realize when I grew up, I always shot firearms. That really helped me in the Marine Corps because the Marine Corps, there's several things they pride themselves on. Is, is we're a very elite small group, and then their 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 shooting ability. They're very. Known, they're known as great shooters, fire. You know, with, with rifles. So I did very well with shooting.
0: Interesting. And how how did that did that carry over to anything you did with Quest or like did that do you think some of those things that you learned there helped? Well us I think it? I think
1: work ethic and discipline carries throughout life, right? Totally. So I became very disciplined and just, you know, you wake up, you have a purpose, get things done. Um, I think that carries over in, in all aspects of your life.
0: It was a so similar thing with powerlifting. Then you think a lot of just those, you know, just the discipline of powerlifting kind of carried over to.
1: Yeah, I well, always we did it. You know, when you're in the military, you're either going to be an athlete or you're going to just, you know, kind of hang out, party, whatever. And I just chose to be a powerlifter. <laughs> I hung out with guys that competed and arm wrestled, and we just did a lot of fun stuff. But if we weren't if we weren't deployed somewhere in the world, we were working out. You know, not a lot, not a lot else to do, right?
0: Yeah. Well.
1: But it created we created you know discipline. I have always enjoy working out. I still do.
0: I remember I've read, uh, have you ever read Arnold Schwarzenegger's book?
1: Yeah, he's an old, yeah, many times. He's an old client of mine. Oh, nice.
0: That's crazy. I remember there's a part in the book where he talked about when he was in the Austrian military and he was, you know, he just, he did some crazy stuff, like he drove a tank through a wall. I was wondering if you had any moments like that where you drove a tank through a wall or something crazy like that? (laughs) (laughs) That you're you're able to share, you know, without.
1: (laughs) Nothing I can talk about. I mean, yeah, we all do stupid stuff, but nothing I, yeah. Nothing like that.
0: Oh, okay. No, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny though, cool, cool. So, so after the Marines, you got into the LAPD. What was that transition like? And and, I that's something you you said you always wanted to do when you were growing up. What was that?
1: Was I always it? wanted to do. It. it was like a boyhood thing. You know, my uncle was a a, a police officer in Philadelphia, a sergeant. My neighbor was with the state police in New Jersey. It's just something I always wanted. To, I just it, it, it was a pride thing. It was giving back to the community. I always wanted to do it. So when I got out, I ended up in LA and I started processing. It took about a year. Matter of fact, I was in Camp Pendleton for a powerlifting meet, and there was a there was a career day, and I remember the highway patrol was there, and I said, oh, shit. That, that's actually one of the reasons I stayed, because I saw this this opportunity in law enforcement. I thought, shit, I'll just stay in California and, and process. I said to go back to New Jersey, and I processed with everyone. I put applications in with 15 different departments, and that was literally back when it wasn't online. You got a paper application in the mail, <laughs> filled it out, put a stamp on it, sent it back, it was, and then you get a letter saying, okay, you're you're, you're up for your physical you know testing and uh lapd came through first and while i was processing it took about a year i was doing everything i was working as a trainer at a local gold gym in southern california here and you i was driving a bankruptcy? truck part-time and i was working as a mason like a labor guy. i was doing everything and then i, and then I got a job selling cars and it's crazy it just came naturally i never thought a car salesman sounds kind of dirty to me i don't know why Like <laughs> it's kind of gross and I was their number one. I was their number one sales guy for eight months. Wow! They didn't want to let me go. The the owners like, dude, you can make like one hundred fifty thousand. That was back then. He goes, I'll, I'll pay you whatever it takes. I was like, I don't, I don't want to sell cars. it just come. It was fun selling cars because I, mean, I didn't really try.
0: Dang, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I want to make two points there. One, did you did you hear that Gold's Gym just filed for bankruptcy yesterday?
1: I saw that. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to affect. You. I think it's, it's corporate because there's some there's some franchisees which I'm sure will survive.
0: Yeah. Well, this. Yeah, they. The and, and
1: who knows? They'll restructure. I mean, Gold Gym is like a, you know, iconic. So I hope it doesn't go under. I know. But I saw that about 24 Hour Fitness too. I heard they're having some challenges. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, crazy. I hope-
1: crazy. That's a whole other conversation. But to me, mental health and physical health is one of the most paramount things in our life. And you know, I, I know it's it can't be managed because of this, you know, social spacing. But I, I would think that gyms are paramount to be open
0: for people's health. You and- know. I, I 100% agree with that. I can't believe they had the audacity to say that gyms weren't weren't an essential business. Like you look at how yeah, many people, even
1: if you limit it to 20 people per hour or something, but it's just you know you got a liquor store open. That's a whole other conversation. But I really think it's
0: affecting. You know, people are going to die from obesity and heart disease and diabetes. So, well, 15 million people it, die a year around the world from heart disease, right? And you know, yeah. even if a million people die from this disease, like yeah, that's, that's, I don't know. So, I, I think it's just a it's it's a lot of marketing around this, right? There's a lot of you know big media, but that's a whole yeah. other conversation. Like you said, maybe we can touch yeah. on that later. But uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear your, your perspective on it. But uh, another, th- another thing I want to chat about was was how you left your used car salesman. Like you were you would have got paid 100. He said he was willing to pay whatever, but for whatever reason, you listened to your heart and intuition and said, like, I don't really care about the money. I just want to do – it seemed to me like you just want to do what you love. Was that, was that the case? Yeah, yeah,
1: it was fun. I mean, even when I was in high school,
0: I worked for my dad.
1: he was a contractor, electrical contractor. He started his own business making the equipment. And he said, you could take over the business. And I, I probably would have been wealthy. I just had no desire. I, I always wanted to be a cop. And it was the same thing when I was selling cars. I remember my background officer came to the dealership to interview the owner. And the owner called me and goes, you want to be a cop? And I said, like, yeah, it's like, and he goes, man, he goes, I could have you running this place. You'll you'll be the manager here. And car, you do very well in the car business. And especially being a manager. And I said, yeah, I don't, it's, I mean, I love it. It was fun because it was just fun. People show up and like, hey, you want to buy a car? Let's go for a test drive. I never was no hard sell at me. I was just like an easy going guy. But uh, he he couldn't get my head or he, he actually accepted. He came to my graduation. He said, like, man, I got to admire that you want to follow your passion as opposed to the dollars, you know? yeah. And, but I've always been like that. I mean, listen, money is a great motivator and it facilitates things in life, but it doesn't, obviously, doesn't bring happiness. So it just facilitates things.
0: Well, I think that's beautiful that you were able to follow that at such a young age. Like, how, how yeah. was it just like you never questioned it? You never questioned, like, hey, this is what my heart wants I to do? Never thought about it. Seriously? Wow. That's beautiful. Honestly, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. This is, I think, yeah. Today, yeah, I think it's beautiful. I still
1: think like that. I mean, listen, don't get me wrong, money does make things happen in the world, but. It's it's not the motive. It's not my my end all. Got to be, be happy, happy, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, so so and actually, there's one. Actually, another thing I want to talk about with the LADP, uh, LAPD. is I saw Rodney King riots just had their anniversary recently. What was, what was that like working LA, LAPD when those riots were going on?
1: That, that was you know so I, interesting. I joined when I joined. It seemed like there was a, a, a sequence of things. We had the riots, the earthquake. We had a lot of the OJ trial. There's a lot of things that happened. The riots, though, just, I mean, obviously, everyone, if you remember, you'd have to Google it. But the Rodney King verdict went down. You know, the officers were acquitted that had beat him. And it within hours, people started rioting. And uh, it, was, it was like, it was mayhem. <clears throat> it, it didn't happen everywhere. There was some little rioting around the country. But L.A. was burning down. I mean, I think I, I just did a post on it. I think 63 people died in five five days. Damn.
0: So it was like a war zone.
1: It was a war zone. Then military came in to back us up. We were Molotov cocktails being thrown in our police cars. We set up these lines to keep people from going any further, like into Hollywood and stuff. It was it was mayhem. I always said the regular law-abiding citizens became like criminals. Like people started smashing. Like this, there was a Sears and Robot, you know, like a department store in Hollywood. People just started smashing windows, just taking. TVs and tools, just regular people that would not normally be doing that. It became like a mob mentality.
0: Why do you think that was? Just because they were impurity
1: He had an yeah, opportunist. It just—it was an interesting time, but it lasted for, I think, almost six, five days, six days. It was it was nonstop.
0: Damn, that's so crazy.
1: Yeah, but it was an interesting time.
0: I was curious, cause, actually because of that post I saw that I wanted to mention that to see if you <coughs> just to hear your thoughts yeah. on it. But uh, anyway, so so when you're wrapping up your time at LAPD, you were starting your own security firm. What was that like? I mean, from from what I understand, you were you were working at LAPD, you were working for another security firm, and you were starting your own kind of at the same time. Is that the case? And and
1: like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like every, I, I was working for extra money, and I had I had done protection work in the Marine Corps, so I enjoy it. It was like a service thing. I enjoyed doing it. I you know helping people and providing security. I'm very logistically minded, and. um, I just started working for a retired Beverly Hills cop and and after a few months I was like, This isn't I I get it. Like he sent me on some details with some high profile people, so I just got my own license and got everything together and and went to him and said, I'm gonna start my own business and he he embraced it and um I've always been a relationship person. I I I I I bank everything on on relationship capital in like building relationships and not asking for anything in return. And a friend of mine had a very successful uh, limousine business and we, we hit it off and he started referring business to me, and there was a period of time where you name it, Mariah Carey, Ricky Martin, Mark Anthony—they were all clients of mine. Wow! And I was still working, and I was still working, so I had to leave the police department. I just couldn't do both. There was not enough time of the day.
0: How, so how did you? get did all. How did you even get those as clients? clients? Like, that, I mean, it seems like those people were you know almost almost untouchable. But I suppose they. they you well, some
1: to of that was word of mouth. But like I said, my friend Charlie, who owned CLS Transportation, mm-hmm. he drove a lot of high profile people, and he'd start telling people, "Hey." I have a guy. You should try him, and, and that's kind of what happened. And it's interesting once you start doing business with one person, they'll 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 see. Oh well, we'll, we'll Bruce is taking care of so and so. He must be good, you know. And, and it just kind of happened that way. I was doing some of the Kardashians' work early on when she got met when 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 Kim got married in her first wedding. they just started. Things just started happening.
0: Yeah.
1: And snowballing, and next thing you know, you're doing investigations and stalking cases and. You know, I did a lot, of, a lot of work for a lot of high-profile people.
0: Was Kim's wedding, was that the one in Minnesota with uh, Chris Humphreys? Or Chris Humphreys,
1: but they got married up in uh, Santa Barbara. Oh, they got
0: married in Santa Barbara, okay. Because she was actually, they were actually in my hometown, like in the middle of nowhere Minnesota, because he was from the town over. Um, which yeah, was it was interesting
1: during that, whatever the sh- what, uh, what you know, the Kardashian show, but they had a week, they had a week where it was like the Carda- Kim's wedding week, and I ended up being on the show because I took her to get fitted for her wedding Seriously? gown. And
0: no way! They
1: came. Yeah, it was fun. They checked. It was a good time. But um, yeah, they were one of many clients. And, and uh, great. I mean, I still have some clients. I still have some some clients that, that that I take care. of, But I just don't have the time, so it's not as many. Especially requests and these other things.
0: What was it? What was it like working with them? Like I'm I'm curious because I feel like most people don't have the perspective of working up close with them, but actually providing a service to them, right? Like like are you are you friends with them or is it more like strictly business?
1: Um. No, I'm not friends. So it's interesting. It's something. It's funny to use the word friends. I always tell people, people that would work for me. I would always remind people we're in the service industry. Yeah, and it's no different. You're a service to them, and once you think you become friends, it usually goes south.
0: Interesting. And I
1: end up, I end up maintaining a very good rapport with my clients and a respectful one. But I give you an example. I always train my guys. Like, hey, if you go to a restaurant with one of your one of my clients. And celebrity is sitting at you're you're gonna sit at the bar. You're never gonna join them. And even though and people will graciously invite you, hey, why don't you join us for dinner? No, no, I'm gonna sit at the bar. I would sometimes have guys think that the invitation all it was was a gesture of kindness.
0: Totally. They didn't
1: really want you to be there, but what do they think? Oh, you're they're treating you like a servant, so I'd always say no thank you. And just like sitting outside in the rain in front of their house, I mean there's certain things you just do if you're in the service industry. Um, but sometimes people don't get that. So while I'm friendly with my clients, I'm never friends with them. And one pretty famous guy in the music industry, very powerful guy, at the time, ran all the record labels. He one day said to me, "Hey, we're gonna have a long relationship because you understand the difference between business and personal."
0: Damn. Because I've
1: had too many people want to be want too many people want to become friends with us, and and they're just not.
0: That's so. a, that's an interesting paradox because like the more the less you become friends with them, the closer you get to them. Like in the in the and, and
1: they became much more dependent on me. But they'd always call me, and people started calling me with problems, like nothing to do with security. Like, hey, I need to find a dog trainer. or I'm, I'm looking to sell my Range Rover. But because they become they they they're comfortable with you, but I never crossed the line. So they trust, and that's why I try and tell people. I think I'm mean, even thinking about writing a book about it, like the etiquette of, of, of the etiquette of the service industry. Um, but people can people don't get their head around that. I I I lost a couple clients because I was only one person, so I can only do so much. And I remember I sent one of my guys to Mexico with a very high profile woman, singer, actress, who's still very relevant, and I lost her because he was there for five days and he got too comfortable, too much conversation, too much lackadaisical attitude. And they called me and said, Hey, your, your guy is just too comfortable. So anyway, that's a that's for another story. But people if you're in the service industry, you have to remember what you're you're serving them. Yeah. If they wanted to be your friend, you'd be friends. You know what I mean?
0: Totally, totally. So that's and it's, it's just,
1: more so applicable in the security. I'm not saying if you're a personal banker, maybe you could become friendlier because it's more intimate. But as far as security, you're obviously keeping your distance, pay, paying attention to what's going on. If you become, if you're sitting at a dinner table talking, to and you're not paying attention to what's going on, you know?
0: Exactly. I, I was I was just about to bring that up. Like it's more for their own security, right? They see you being laxative, statistical. They're worried for themselves. Like shit. Like but. yeah.
1: But but it's a balancing act. But you know. But yeah, that's it. So I had I had some great success because of that. Because I and and I'll be honest, I had some artists that they were like, we like you because you're not in, you're not in our business. You wow. know what I mean? Like a lot of artists, they have they have people that hanger honors or friends or relatives that they have to take care of or their posse, and I'd be like on the outside just just making sure everything was cool. You know?
0: Yeah. Huh. So. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, how did you transition from your security firm into Quest then? And how, like, I, I remember listening online, you actually met the founder of Quest at a gym. Like, how, how serendipitous that? Yeah, that is was
1: that? just completely serendipitous. Shannon, who goes by Quest Creator, um, was making the bars by hand in her kitchen, literally. She worked out at the same gym as me, and she would always read bodybuilding magazines on when she did the Stairmaster. So, I, I'd make small talk with her. Never knew anything about what she did. And then about two months after knowing her from the gym, I went to the LA Fitness Expo. They had a small table, two flavors of bars. And I was like, oh, I didn't a bar company. Tried the bars. And literally, it's a little blurry because for nine months, I helped them build relationships just organically. I liked them. I liked their product. I didn't ask for anything. It's one of the things I practice in life is I always say, bring value before you ask for anything. I didn't ever think I would work for them or with them. I just thought, hey, they're cool people their products good. And ironically enough, the people I was protecting, I would start sending them, I would just tell, Quest, Hey, can you mail this person a box of bars? And I got them on the set of extra, some celebrity gift bags, some golf touring, just, and then they, 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 they called me to the office a couple of times, invite me to the office. And your office was in the ghetto. There was no, there was no illusion of them being successful that it was literally, they were in Compton. Wow, with a couple, with a couple flavors of bars, working in a shitty warehouse that I thought I literally thought to myself the first time I went to their offices, I don't think they're gonna be here in six months. Oh my gosh! But fast forward, you know, ten years later, we were sold for a billion dollars, and they were making uh, we're making you know a million bars a day. Um, so obviously things worked out. But but I became and I say this very humbly, I became so valuable to them that they offered me just to come in the company and I created a lot of positions and what I did well it was only because I was bringing them value and I you know and I had pride and ownership in what I did so
0: so without you they probably wouldn't have been like what well, you said they, if they wouldn't have been around in six months without you they probably wouldn't have been around in six months right without you coming yeah no.
1: listen I, no listen that's one thing everyone's gonna survive without you or me I mean business is gonna go on right okay fair but <clears throat> do I feel I had a do I feel I had a significant impact on the business sure. Would they have gotten by without me? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, what I mean, but I'm saying I feel I've brought contributed to the success of the business, but I'm not an I person. You know, it's, it, I'm just one small piece. Yeah. The guy making the bars, the janitor. I, I'm a full believer in that. Everyone, the, the, the retail salesperson. So, but I, I, I contributed and and it, and, it, and it, it was fun. You know, listen. I always say this. I don't. I don't really. I wouldn't say I was qualified to be in the nutrition space because I had to get a quick education and learn, but. It, I think it was more the relationships space I was in, more than the nutrition space. I was about building relationships. So even though the sales guys would sell, they weren't necessarily currently relationship people. They were more like, they took orders, we shipped the product, but then I maintained the relationship with the partners and did the charity golf tournaments and did the stuff that you know that's meaningful to
0: people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like me, <coughs> maybe on a similar wavelength on that, I feel like I'm more maybe of a relationship person, but I guess I'm still young in my career. so. well
1: everything and everything in life is relationships and that's why i use the word relationship capital you know if you have relationship capital and now like my rolodex is full like i can call anyone anytime and not not even ask for anything just check on people but i think that that carries you a long way in life just like uh one of the things i practice even though i'm stealing it from tony shea uh the zappos founder Mm -hmm. delivering happiness i was a firm believer i still am i'm not talking past tense is delivering happiness to people Personal business, whatever it is, you want to. I always find um, joy in making people happy, Dang. and it's no different than you're slinging candy bars or chocolate bars or protein bars or drinks. And make people happy, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. That's so true. I think and I think it's super rare today to have your give first mentality, like to give value first. Like you got them on a TV show. Like you didn't even ask for anything. Like you didn't even ask for any money. You didn't ask. Yeah, for I never equity. asked for anything, and it's hard for, for people it. to get their
1: head around. It's interesting. Um, they used to use me for some – when they would interview people, sometimes I would sit in the interviews, and they'd say, hey, you know, I, I, it's always younger because I'm being obviously older. Hey, some young kid comes out of college. Hey, I want to be the director of marketing and start at 150000 or whatever. And we'd be like, oh, well, what value What, what value do you want to bring or can you bring? And they'd say, but Bruce, what did you do? And I'd say, oh, I worked for nine months for free. And their jaw would drop like, oh, I, I want to make 150000 I always tell people this. If you have your eye on a company you want to work at, doesn't matter what the field is, find a way to get in, whether maybe it's an on, on paid internship. Who cares? If you can, if you can, if, if you've got to work at night to pay your rent, mm-hmm. find a way to get into a company because that's where you start. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, I know you hear the stories, it's probably too cliche now, but a lot of these successful executives at studios started in the mail room. Totally. Built relationships. It's no different now. People say, "Oh, that was a long time ago, Bruce. That doesn't work anymore." Sure, it does. You want to go work at Google? Find find someone. Find one of the executive vice presidents. Say, "I just want to. I, I just want to learn. I'll, I'll put in forty hours a week for you." For just, let me just show you my value. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But people have a hard time getting their head around that. That's because they're like, "Wait, what? What am I getting paid?" Mm-hmm. You'll get paid. You'll get paid. I mean, I got paid. Quest sold for a billion dollars cash in November. So we made out, right? Yeah. But I, I, you know, so sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't.
0: That's very true. That's interesting because, so my last job, I was working, I was actually working over in Poland with a sportswear brand, and I met this guy uh, just randomly, and I helped him with a sponsorship deal with the USA Scheme Snowboarding Team, and I didn't ask for anything from it. But he he was there for four years trying to enter the US market. And hadn't yeah. had anything. And within a couple of months, I'd, I'd, in front of the largest, you know, one of the best sporting organizations in the world. And so he offered me a position. And I, you know what I mean? Like he offered me to come, he paid for me to come to Poland, you know, and work. And I got to travel all around Europe, which was pretty sweet. So I 100% abide by that, even though, even, you know, maybe sometimes I'm not the best at it, but I, I definitely agree that that's probably the best way to go about it. Because you also, show, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like you're also showing that, you know, you don't have bad intentions about about the company. You're in it for exactly. the long haul. Right.
1: And it doesn't listen, it's not always in our DNA. Most people aren't wired like that. Most people are like, wait, wait, how I need to be compensated for my time. No. Huh. And that works for a lot of people. I'm just saying this has been my practice and has it always worked? No, I've helped people and I've gotten nothing out of it. And actually sometimes it's then kind of sour. Um, but most of the time I think if you have good intentions and you're not, you're not looking for anything, honestly, you know, it, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. I mean now now I've evolved a little bit, people sometimes ask me to help them. I'm like, Okay, well what's that look like? You know, like yeah, I don't mind helping you. That's Cause, true. Because the problem is I hear they they hear the Quest story. I had someone recently say He had a pretty successful company and he said, Well, I saw your podcast where you helped Quest for free for nine months. Can't you help me for free for nine months? Oh my God. I said Sure, I could help you for free for an extended period of time. I said, well, you're all—all all you're caring about is me working for free for you instead of saying, "Here's what I, here's what we would do if if we do that," you know. So, it's a give and take, you know.
0: I uh, I agree, 100. percent So, what was that like when you when you came I in? You obviously made your own position. What was that like growing into that into the company? And because obviously, when when you joined, it was you know it was still it wasn't a guaranteed success. Like you didn't have a clear path to a billion dollar exit, right? And so. I'm sure um, that was like.
1: Listen, it, 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 it's, it's still fun, but it was much funner then because it was literally virgin territory. Yeah. Even though there were protein bars out there, Quest bars just took off and people enjoyed them because of the taste, the texture. They were low carb, high protein, gluten free. And, and people really jumped on the bandwagon and, and it was just like a, a train. So when I was out there, it was just a fun time because you're getting product in people's hands. And I've always been known as being very generous <clears throat> with samples. Uh, mm-hmm. I give thousands of bars a month out. Sure, look at when we met. I brought yeah. a product to the. To you fed us for a week. We were at. you fed
0: us for a week. Like, so, yeah, and you didn't even so, know us. You didn't even know us. So,
1: yes, yeah, so that but but I, and I still do that to this day because I feel like if you have something good to offer people, why not give it to them? I mean, you're going to eventually. Our hope would be become a lifetime customer. If you don't, great. If you if you do, great. But at least you do some product. Maybe you'll tell two
0: friends. Where did you get that philosophy from? Because I, I feel like Red Bull does something similar to that. Like they give they do a lot of stuff, but they're more strategic about. It. Like they give it to maybe just like influencers or or things like yeah,
1: that. Yeah, listen, we, we have an influencer. Oops, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. We have an influencer program. Don't get me wrong, but I don't. One thing I learned early on: I don't judge someone. Some brands were like, oh you don't you don't have, oh you don't have ten thousand followers. I don't care. If I go to Gold's Gym when I work out. I will average giving out. I'm just making up a number because I'm trying to think how I'll give out 100 bars a weekend. If I get, you know, I'll give guy a box, a girl a box, whatever. I don't look at him and say, "How many followers do you have?" I wanna, I wanna bring some some value to someone's life, and, and if they tell people about it, great. I wouldn't say there was ever any rhyme or reason to it, just like there's not now. Um, I I might have lost track of what you were saying, but. I just like sharing, sharing with people.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 was, I, I was talking about how, how Red Bull maybe does does what you're doing, but they do it in a strategic way. But I, I, honestly, I like how you do it better because I feel like the micro influencers or the everyday person they still have you know twenty or thirty people that they have maybe much more influence than this big influencer would have, right? And so
1: yeah, I work with some people. I work with some people. There, you, you can't. You have to kind of just look at the world. There's a big world out here. Yeah, maybe. Some people just focus on, "Hey, you have to have fifty thousand followers. I'm not going to send you twenty dollars for the product. Who cares?"
0: Yeah,
1: you're gonna have. There's everyone's consuming food. Everyone's a potential customer for life. And if they're not, so be it. Maybe you just made someone's day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I never looked at it that you had to have so many followers to get product from us or me. I just, I generously give, and I still do to this day. I mean, I drive around my Jeep. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I was I went to FedEx this morning I left a box of bars in the counter for FedEx food.
0: dang yeah. well wow.
1: but you know it's what that's just what I do and I think that's it, it's it's giving without any expectations and that's another thing I think brands sometimes mess up <clears throat> I see people will say hey if I uh, if I send you this thing will you post about it tag free friends well, maybe but you know what I mean that's not organic that's not the one thing I think we did very well early on was we had organic. Uh, genuine relationships yeah some very powerful people i could you know not really being a name drop it but there were some athletes that would just post about it do, do a tweet and uh because they liked it because it was it was authentic some ufc fighters would talk about us and sometimes the managers would be like hey we should be getting paid for that but they liked it we had it was authentic relationships yeah and that was one thing a lot of brands don't have as authentic relationships they have to put a dollar figure to it and say if i give you this i want that back
0: and I feel like like what you said, it's almost it's much more organic, and I feel like they're almost more willing to do it if you don't ask, because then it's coming from the oh, wrong right?
1: I had people, I believe me, there's people I've sent product to, and even recently, and I'm like, holy shit, Wow, well, they someone just did an Instagram story and they got six million followers. I'm like, wow, with no expectation. And it's like that's that's just cool. It feels good. And that shows that they appreciate the brand and they, they enjoy it and, and it's real. Yeah, don't get me wrong. God bless the athletes that get the, to get the McDonald's deal or whatever. They're they're making a lot of money and they endorse it. But I think it's just fun to have authentic relationships. I agree. Know?
0: I agree. Well, was that was that was it part of your plan or is that something you just kind of came up on your own through? No, your I don't even know months? how it
1: came up. It, you know, by the way, it's funny. One of the things I practice, and this is this is me. It's almost it's almost embarrassing because if I when I used to go out with the the founders of Quest, they never did it. And I would, I would, anytime I got out of the car, there'd be the quest bag and they'd be, ah, oh, shit, we forgot the product. But I, it, because it wasn't, I don't know where it came from. It wasn't like my mom taught it to me, but I would always say, don't ever show up empty handed. You're going to a meeting, you're going to a, I don't care where you go. Don't show up empty handed.
0: That's beautiful. Wow.
1: And it's not, whether it's a date, whether it's a dinner, whether it's a meeting, going to the gym. If you catch me walking to the gold gym without, without product, there's, I, I, that was a bad day for me. Seriously. You know what I mean? Because I don't think it's ever happened.
0: Wow. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And so um, so did that contribute to your guys' distribution? Because you guys have some of the best distribution I've ever seen out of any any physical product. Like you guys are in every single cafe, every single, every single grocery store, every big department store, Walmart, Target. Like how did you guys get that distribution?
1: That was a process. I mean it obviously created the hype and demand by social media and it just we we built it out pretty stri- strategically it was a process you know started out in uh, specialty which is like gnc vitamin shop the the, the niche uh, supplement stores yeah and then it, it rolled out to then 711 we're in all 7-Elevens, uh, target now but it's a it was a rollout yeah. it wasn't just we're everywhere how did it start <clears throat> i think we're, we're in almost every I, I i can't think of a reach out place i don't walk into now i don't see us it. yeah
0: it's crazy you guys are everywhere it's I mean, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable what you guys have done. Like, and yeah, some
1: great distribution partners for sure.
0: How how did you guys get started with it? Was it just through GNC? Just ne- pick a pick a niche and then, like, um, Well, first it, it was or?
1: online, and then GNC was our biggest partner for quite a, quite a long time. Yeah, GNC. Wow. Now it's at now it's Amazon. The tides have turned. Now it's Amazon.
0: Wow, interesting. That is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. What, what, what's been some of your favorite? What's what's been one of your favorite moments at uh, Quest, you know, over the years? Maybe, it was, maybe it was was it one of the early days when you guys were first, you know, guerrilla marketing, kind of.
1: Guerrilla marketing early on. We do, you know, we did a lot of expos and trade shows, like the Arnold Classic It's a big, big bodybuilding fitness expo in Columbus, Ohio. A lot of great times at the Olympia. We our booth was so big. I think it was 80 feet long by wow. 40 feet wide and. 50 ambassadors with DJs and it was big it was a good time it was it was I don't want to use the word it was a three-day party it was a three-day celebration of the brand where we gave a lot of product out yeah very you know very expensive but and then meetings with partners um I think there's so many great memories I mean even our company retreats have become really special where we the whole company comes together there's always a theme and guest speakers and but you know so many good memories I don't know
0: what was what are some of the retreats you guys go on? If you can share, maybe, you uh, I don't know if it's like, like what are the retreats that you guys go on? Here's well, we do, our,
1: we do a company, a annual company retreat, local. It's either, you know. An, oh,
0: an, got you. Okay. No, I
1: don't mean like retreat to uh, Bali, Bali, Bali or Bali, something. yeah. Yeah, Doing some, yeah, yeah, not,
0: c- c- maybe that's c- not c- no, a no, company
1: retreat. We have all, you know, we have like 160 employees, so we all get together at like a two days of speakers and cooking demos and, and talking about the future, you know, but all internal, like a company retreat, oh,
0: yeah. Nice. So, going back to some of the fitness conferences, um, when I was working with a sportswear brand, I went to one called Outdoor Expo in Denver, and then another one called ISPO in Germany. Have you guys been to either of those?
1: Wait, what's the one in Germany? What you said.
0: ISPO, Eastbo, International Sports. No, no. Um, so, I've
1: been to FIBO in Germany. FIBO oh. is considered, I think, the biggest fitness expo
0: in the world. I thought ISPO was, but maybe maybe it's like, maybe it's more for apparel. I think, because the company I was with was, was apparel, but they have lots of like, mm-hmm. ski wear and outdoor apparel there. But it was it was massive. But...
1: Okay. There's tons of there's Ursa there's 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 so many fitness related uh, and that was our core bodybuilding shows we we sometimes would do six bodybuilding shows a weekend around the country
0: dang that's crazy oh, yeah shoot, my computer's about to die here I'm gonna go plug it in um, so what are some of your so I mean so obviously you're still working at Quest but yeah what you, what is your I know you I know you work with Legendary Foods what is your relationship with there we I know the the founders of Quest started. Yeah, the founders uh, of
1: Quest started Legendary, so I helped them with some relationship building. And then obviously, from there, Ron, the founder, spent a lot of money on cancer research. And uh, we started a dog food company. <coughs> Sorry, a human grade dog food company called Visionary Dog Food. Okay. So that's another company that I helped them with some relationship building.
0: And so are you still, are you like officially with the company? Or?
1: No, I mean, I'm with Quest. But I mean, I helped them bring some relationships. Oh, nice. Sorry,
0: I'm just trying to plug this in. I wonder if I can unplug this. Oh, I don't know if I can well, I'm gonna die. It. No, my computer is. Uh, hopefully, that didn't do anything inside. Oh well. <laughs> so, um, sorry about this little hiccup here. Um, so. Obviously you're like the brand guru, right? What is what is some of the biggest piece of advice you give to anybody starting a brand, like us, like right we're super we're super nascent. What what was some of the things that you would say to us um, as advice? Like get first? That seems that seemed to be like one of the, the biggest Yeah, I mean
1: some things you could do that service industry, it, it depends what kind of service it's kinda of hard, but you know, A have pride in ownership even if you're not even if you're not an owner, have pride in what you do. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, one of the things that kinda of almost became a joke for a while. Is a lot of people think I'm the founder of Quest, only because I'm out and about. Even when I was with the founders, I remember one time it was almost embarrassing. We were at a restaurant, left a restaurant, we we're in ballet, and I drove a wrapped V, My Jeep, my vehicle's always been wrapped, Quest Jeep. Mm-hmm. And my Jeep pulled up, and the guy and the guy says, "Oh, are you are you the owner of Quest?" I said, "No," nah, and the owner's with me. I said, "Yeah, he's the owner." Like everyone, everywhere we went, uh, but I call that pride and ownership because I I represented the brand. And people thought I was the owner just because of how I represented myself, and, and anyone could do that. That sometimes could equate to, you know, remuneration and payouts down the road. Depends on you know where you go with the company, right? Yeah. But pride and ownership, bring value without asking for anything in return, and uh, relationship capital. I think those are the you know some of the some of the main things I practice.
0: Yeah. Thank <clears throat> That's awesome.
1: Regardless of where you're starting, starting a company today, you know, you you really have <clears throat> you have got to be relationship driven don't be product driven you know you could set because because here's the thing no matter what you sell you want to have a repeat customer and to have a repeat customer you have, to have a relationship you can have a good i mean product will get you so far but if they really you know um actually one of the things i read in deliver and happiness i think i think eight or nine out of ten people want to do business with people they like Wow. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> you may have a, you may have a good product, but if you subpar service, or subpar relationship, yeah, you know, people people may may shy away. But if you have great relationships, people will forgive you. If you have a great relationship with someone, they will forgive you for subpar product. Does that make sense?
0: Hundred percent, Like I
1: really like those guys. Eh, their product's okay, but I like them a lot. I'm gonna keep buying.
0: Do you think that so, goes hand in hand with storytelling too? Like, you look at a company like Airbnb, like, sure, sure their product is great, but there was another company, you know, there was other companies before them who were doing the same thing, but they had such a great and compelling story. Was that kind of a similar thing with Quest? Or. Wait, what,
1: you kind of presented about the story,
0: what? Uh, great storytelling. Do you think that was uh, very important to building Quest into the brand it is?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, listen. There, There's a couple stories around there. So, okay, let's hear Yeah, storytelling is great. Storytelling. I think I talked to you first about that. Storytelling is great. Um, I think we had a good product that, that stood on its own feet and had told its own story. I think some of the one founder had a story. Shannon, who actually created the company, had the true story. Um, she was just listen. She was a fitness person who's a super foodie, and she was making the bars by hand and she was making them for her friends that that uh, they, she did like boot camps, fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. Her husband. Had the business sense to take it to work and say, "Hey guys, I think we can make a business out of this." They were in the they were in the security software business, nothing oh, to do with nutrition.
0: Oh, seriously? Okay.
1: Yeah, nothing to do with nutrition. They were they were in the, they nutrition in their minds and they were fit, but they had they weren't in that. They didn't come from that space. And initially, they planned on just being a marketing company. They were going to take the product and bring it to someone and say, "Can you make this for us?" The problem is, no one could manufacture because <clears throat> they all wanted to, all the manufacturers wanted us to have like. Agave, honey, liquid sugar to make it more pliable and doughy, so we had to buy our own equipment. But the truth of the matter is Shannon made a great product, and her husband went to his partners and said, hey, let's try and make this business, and they, at first, were not excited about it. They were like, we're not in the nutrition space, we're not in the protein bar space, we're in uh, software, and security. So that was it. So they popped up a website, and gave it a shot, and it, and, and, and it grew some legs. Wow. As far as the story, listen, every company has a story. I think ours is simply we made a great product that tasted good and it was good for you. And that, that story is carried on. You know, we're, we're trying to make foods that are that are good for you. And uh, I always say this picture, uh, you know, going to a Super Bowl party. There's going to be, you know, the unhealthy table and then there's going to be the quest table. As now we have bars, chips, powders, cookies, pizzas.
0: I was going to say, yeah. Some- I saw pizzas the other day at, uh, at Rolf's. I was like, no way. That's yeah. so crazy.
1: So we have everything now. We're 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 a food company. We have we have eight ten different things. So, you know, picture that in the future where you go like I said to a party and you have a quest table with all the healthy versions as opposed to the black <coughs> carb added sugar stuff.
0: Where do you see the future of Quest going? Do you, I mean obviously you guys are a food company now. Like, what, do you guys see yourself expanding to more food products or? Um,
1: yeah, yeah, it's always going to go. Yeah, we just launched a uh, we just launched a. Uh, I guess the closest version—it's a snack bar, which is like I call like a kind bar, you know, the nuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but a healthier version, no, no added sugar. It's held together with allulose and stuff, and not not liquid sugar. So that was our latest. I think we have four, four or five flavors of the nut bar, snack bar, and then from there, well, who knows? The product lines are endless. I mean, we we have some cool things coming out that are going to be pretty exciting. So I think that's going to continue. Dang,
0: cool, cool. So some more, some more questions about you. Um, Word is on the street that you were in People Magazine. How did that happen? <laughs>
1: what is a sexiest man alive? What was that?
0: <laughs> no, you, know, you were on People Magazine, weren't you? I was listening to that. Yeah, yeah. What happened with that?
1: I- I've been in there a few times. You know, so that was funny. So that was before iPhones. I worked so much with celebrities that there was times when, you know, I think one of the times I was I was, I was was with, uh, you probably don't remember him, it was Sammy Davis Jr.? No, I don't even know who that is. Sorry. You don't know who that is? <laughs> no. Oh my God! I'm Your gonna look him up was, right now. He was he was part of the Rat Pack. He was a big performer. He was a grand marshal for the Hollywood Parade, and I was assigned to him. It was plain clothes. I was assigned to him to be a security detail, and I didn't realize that he he was obviously an icon. A lot of pictures were taken, just photos. And, and I remember, like a month later, my mom called me and said, "Hey, I just picked up People magazine. You're in you're in the you're like on the spread." Sadly, he died like two months later. So there's a whole tribute to him in people magazine and i was like right there next to office in the picture but wow um, so then that, that kind of happened a lot because when you go to a lot of premieres and you're working there's just obviously tons of photographers so i never really i never asked him to take pictures and nor was i able to give I mean, there was no phone to give anyone i don't think i i don't even think i had a cell phone then um end up getting some publications yeah so Dang, that that's, just happened, that's so that, crazy. happened quite, that happened that happened that happened a lot like probably 20 30 times just from being being around, and being in the background, I mean, like, "Where's Waldo?" A lot
0: of those <laughs> yeah. where's Bruce? Where's Bruce? He's, you can start. A, that could be a good marketing campaign. Where's Bruce? Have like all the different. Yeah. Have all the different ones in there. All the yeah. different covers. That's funny. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. Uh, oh, anything else on that? No,
1: no, I oh. don't think
0: so. Okay, so what do you do now to stay fit? Obviously, you're you're s- still uh, uh, super fit. Like, um, I, I remember the other day we did a hit workout together. But I'm yeah. curious, what what, uh, what else you do?
1: Uh, Pretty much. I mean, obviously, if if things were normal, I have a trainer, I go to the gym. But since I don't, I've been doing a lot of Zoom workouts. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's, I have a lot of friends with trainers that are posting them shit. I probably go every hour on the hour, so I try to do like two a day. Um, You know, mostly mat work, push ups and stuff. But I'm actually, I've never done more push ups in my life, right?
0: Seriously, yeah.
1: But it's a different kind of workout. I like lifting weights this morning. A good friend of mine. He lives alone and, and, and he's by himself. So I went to. He has a gym in his garage. and We work out together. It's uh it's like the illegal underground now. If you find a gym to work out, it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like you're breaking the law.
0: <laughs> the underground um, gym railroad.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm still doing that. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. Um, so one final thing. I want we took we touched on this earlier, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on. And I don't, I don't know how political you want to get with this, but about the coronavirus and, and the situation with the gyms? Um, like just, just your view overall about the whole situation.
1: You know, listen, it, it's just an opinion. It's like talking about politics or religion, right? Everyone's got their view or opinion. Um, it is interesting though, know, right? You got liquor stores are open and you go, you could go to a, a Ralph's market and literally you're elbow to elbow with people. I know. I'm not sure, you know, for the mental, mental health more so than anything, mental health, let alone physical health for a gym, is a great escape for people. Mm-hmm. I think they could control it, you know. Even if so, even if they said, "Okay, you're only allowed 20," pe- I don't know, what would make up a number, 20 people per per in the gym at a time. I mean, there's surely not. When you're at Ralph's, you're bumping into people going down the aisle, you know. So it's. I I, I don't know who makes the decisions, right? And then, and sometimes you know I do question it because you know liquor stores are open, um, but not, you know. Places for mental and physical health. So, what do you do? It's going to be open soon enough, I think, right?
0: I hope so, Gavin. uh yeah. Aren't they starting the phasing pretty soon? I think I was reading yeah. about Yeah. I mean, I listen,
1: even for the economy, you know, we got to get things moving. So.
0: Yeah, it's a scary time. Scary time. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, we we can wrap it up here. I want to be respectful from your time. Uh, okay, cool.
1: Everyone. Yeah.
0: And, uh, but I do want to go for a workout with you again. We got to do another hit workout for the. Yeah, yeah.
1: What did we do? Fifty, knock out fifty push-ups.
0: We did a couple. We did uh, fifty push-ups, and we did it uh, twice, I think. And then we did two plank. two-minute planks. Are you but still sore I'll from it? Honest,
1: yeah, you didn't think I was going to hang. Yeah, um, I
0: didn't. I was like, "There's no way." But you, I'll be honest, you're not a quitter. I,
1: never, I, I like doing planks, but it, I never, I've never done a two-minute plank. I guess it be, you, you experience new things all the time, right? One thing I've learned is I'm not afraid to do anything. That's why I tell people advice. I give people. They're like, oh, I never, I don't know, rode a horse. Said, well, why not go do it? I mean, you know what? Me is working out, I don't care what it is, I'll do it. I mean, I, I may not look good doing it. It may not beat you, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it, right?
0: Yeah.
1: I think the biggest thing in life is people living regrets. So I didn't do that. I wasn't sure if I could do it. So Who cares? Do it. What's the worst case? If, if you beat me in push-ups, I'd be like, well, of course, because he's 22.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: but. But if I matched you, I'd be like, look, look, I kept the old up guy the can hang. Way.
0: The old guy can hang. <laughs> I
1: can hang. That's how. That's my excuse now, especially with the guys I work out with—they're all younger than me. I'm like, hey, I'm doing the same weight as you, so you got no room to talk.
0: Yeah. Well, if if we went on for a run, I think I could dust you. I, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I, I mean, I'll, I'll tap out where I have to. But my point <laughs> is, I people always say they haven't. Oh. Reason why they don't do something? Who cares? You know? Right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, cut out cut there for a little bit. Can you still hear me?
1: Cut. Yeah, you kind of, yeah, kind of get sketchy.
0: Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> we're back. We're back in action.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, let's definitely work out. I mean, hopefully when the gyms open up too, we'll go to the gym.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I've only been here for three weeks, so I don't really know many of the places around here. So. But well,
1: you're in a good spot. Culver City is a great location.
0: Yeah, and it's it's nice and safe. It's cheap rent, so all the good things. <laughs>
1: all right.
0: Cool. Um, so. Question and challenge for you: Who would you challenge us uh, from your network, or who would you who would you like to see from your network on the podcast to share their story about, uh, like you know, through fitness and, and how it's kind of shaped them today? On your show? Yeah.
1: <clears throat> uh, probably my friend John Bartolo.
0: John Bartolo, interesting. I don't I don't know if I've heard of him before.
1: So John John Bartolo is a good friend of mine. He was the he was a, I met him. He was a CEO of Falcore Weapons. He's very in the fitness space. Cool. He lives in Vegas. He has his own podcast. Very well
0: connected. Interesting. We'll, we'll have to reach out. i tell you a lot. Of, huh? Uh, what were you going to say?
1: I, I don't know. Yeah, he does uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and different things. Very well connected guy.
0: Okay, cool. Well, that'll be uh, that'll be our next target then.
1: <laughs> yeah, let me know. I'm happy to help
0: you. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, cool, Bruce. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you thank sharing your story. You. I learned definitely learned a lot about you. And uh, yeah, it was great to have you on.
1: Alright, cool. Tell the
0: guys to said hi. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going uh, to pause it here and edit out the rest. I just wanted to say thank you for coming on. Alright, thank you. Just wait a second. Alright, we'll talk. Um. Thanks for joining us on the Imbued Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to Bruce Cardenas chat about his journey through Quest Nutrition and all of his other endeavors. Please tune in next week where we chat with Itamar Baran, one of the youngest Olympian Olympic skiers in history.